We lose him. We but suck. You had just tied the game. James Conner just tied the game. <laughs> Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Extraordinary. You found the shirtless Tom show where your mom listens and takes her shirt off too. 412-922-2874. Those are the digits you can dial if you want to get a hold of me. Or you can follow me on Twitter at ButtonPusher970. Across the glass, I'm staring into the eyes of the crown man, Adam Crowley. Follow him on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Across from him is Brian LaMartina. Of course, you follow him at FBomber73. And of course... You tell your kids, you tell your wife, you tell your Uber, your Lyft driver, your concubine, your mistress, your yada, yada, yada. We're doing some radio up in here. And guys, what about this Neil Huntington character, huh? Kind of a crazy cat, no? How did that do? How did yes, that go? yes, Tom, he is a crazy cat. Nailed it. Did yeah. I get my name on the show for good now? I mean, that's, that's a great intro. The topic setup may be a little light, but what? the intro Whoa. is stellar. We could go anywhere off of Neil Huntington's A Crazy Cat. So it's the shirtless Tom 2 where you take your shirt off and your mom does too? Well, your mom listens and then she takes her shirt off. Okay, okay. All right. This is a circumstance that I am not entirely comfortable with now. Dude, he's good at it. He's very good at it. (laughs) This is like when the Steelers were like, we really want to pay you, Mike Wallace. And he's like, I don't want to get paid by you. Okay, we'll pay AB instead. I, I feel like shirtless Tom's going to come in here tomorrow and just say, Crowman, you know what? You're, you're tired. Your wife's out of town. You get the house. You're saying, you know what? Just stay home. I just looked at my bench, and there's a quiet kid at the corner that I just realized who can play his ass off. I'm putting him in the game. I mean, listen, the intro was fine, but I really didn't have anything past Neil Huntington. That's a crazy cat, huh? So, I mean... Like you said, we might have been in trouble here four minutes into the segment. To be fair, we gave you a little bit of warning. I'm sure if you had a whole day, you would have prepped yeah, something. You would have known. I'm right sure. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure it would happen. <laughs> I want to flip it back on you, shirtless Tom. Impossible. <laughs> Neil Huntington. What a crazy cat, huh? Oh, my God. This guy. I mean, he can't make up his mind. I mean, first of all, he's trading for the prospects for big-time pitchers. But then before that, he was like, oh, we can't give up our prospects because we need to keep the farm system plentiful. Then he goes and does it, and Archer stinks. I mean, this guy, crazy cat. When you I got nothing. <laughs> that was very the... well done. You said nothing in a bunch at the same time. When you look at the tombstone one day of Neil Huntington. Crazy cat. It's going to say his name right below that. It's going to say Crazy Cat. I think what I'm looking for here is obituary, not a tombstone. No, both. Well, that, that tombstone's going to say sponsored by Bob Nutting. It'll probably have like a statue of him behind it in the, you know, that post. Seven Springs <laughs> logo on it. When you read the eulogy of one Neil Huntington. Brought to you by Seven Springs. I think that the first line will say Neil Huntington led the Pirates to three straight playoff appearances, led them to four winning seasons. They had not been in the playoffs since the early 1990s. They had not had a winning season since the early 1990s. So he deserves a little bit of credit. And that's where he'll get the credit, is right there in that obituary. I think the second line, boys, 
is going to say he totally effed up the franchise at a later date whenever he traded Chris Archer. <laughs> They're going to put that in the obituary. They're going to put it right there in the obituary. Loving okay. father, husband, screwed up the Chris Archer trade. F'd everything up. <laughs> Brought to you by Seven Springs. Visit that. Seven Springs. That's I think that evaluating an executive is always complicated. Now, a guy like Kevin Colbert, it's not all that complicated. Sure, he missed on a guy like Jarvis Jones, right? And sure, people are not enamored with what Bud Dupree has been able to bring. And there have been some misses. Artie Burns would be another one. But there's also been a bunch of hits. Guys like Antonio Brown, who were drafted in the sixth round. A guy like Vince Williams, who was drafted in the sixth round. A guy like Kelvin Beecham, who became a starting left tackle for them because he was drafted in the seventh round. Uh, you pick up guys like Alejandro Villanueva and you turn him into a really good player. He's found diamonds in the rough. He's had success with most of his first-round picks. My evaluation of Kevin Colbert is this. He is a phenomenal general manager. Everyone's going to make mistakes. He's one of the best of all time. He's certainly one of the best modern-day general managers and beyond all the general managers in the National Football League. If you lined them all up, winning percentages over the last 20 years, number two is Kevin Colbert behind everything that the New England Patriots have done. So for me, evaluating him as an executive, not difficult. It's difficult to evaluate Jim Rutherford, though, isn't it? Well, kind of. He helped the Penguins win two Stanley Cups. That is what should always lead his obituary. Helped the Penguins win two championships. Was the architect of the Penguins winning two championships. Also, by the way, helped orchestrate a championship in Carolina, too. In a market without all the resources that Mario Lemieux and Ron Burkle are going to throw the way of the general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins. But of late, the moves that he's made have made you scratch your head. Ryan Reeves for a first-round pick in Oscar Sundquist, bad trade. The Broussard trade, bad trade. There have been a bunch of trades of late that have not been good, have not worked out, that seem like he was grasping at straws. Going out and getting Tanner Pearson for Carl Hagelin, who had had success with you, played the identity the way you wanted to play, didn't make a lot of sense. Then immediately having to flip that guy because he wasn't good enough, and you get good Branson, who doesn't fit the identity that you want to have necessarily in the back end. So evaluating him is harder than evaluating Colbert. I think that Neil Huntington is the hardest to evaluate. Because when I look at what Jim Rutherford has done, he can keep screwing stuff up. He still won two cups. Well, you look at what Neil Huntington's done, gets him to the playoffs three times, that's not winning a championship. It still means something. It absolutely does in a town that has been starved for baseball success my entire life. That has to matter. But when you have an opportunity to build around some cornerstone pieces like a Tyler Glass now, like an Austin Meadows, potentially even like a Shane Baez, you have to develop those players better, and the people that he hires are the ones who are in charge of developing those players, and you can't make that trade. You just can't, and I know I defended it at the time. In hindsight, is twenty twenty. I probably would have done the same thing, but it's an indictment upon the franchise that they didn't know what Tyler Glass now was until Tyler Glass now left. I don't like that they threw their hands up in the air and said, oh, this guy's never going to work out for us. This guy's a head case. I don't like that. That is absolutely a flaw in the Pirates ointment. Fly in the ointment. Not a flaw in the ointment. Now you nailed it. Neil Huntington gave up a potential star corner outfielder. They've got another one right now. Brian Reynolds has an OPS that is slowly, maybe not so slowly, approaching 1,000. 
Uh, this is guy's hitting 350. You know, hey, he's hitting 350. He's three for four today, Brian Reynolds. You could have him at one corner outfield spot. Oh my God. You could have Austin Meadows in center field. Stop it. You could have a starting rotation with Tyler Glass now at the top. What? With Jamison Tyon as your number two. Jesus. With Trevor Williams as your number three. Oh, my God. Like baseball porn right now. We have 120 wins, and we don't even know who's four or fifth in the rotation. Well, what's frustrating is it's not just this trade that sucks. It's the one that is, to me, fireable. The biggest fireable offense. I don't think Garrett Cole wanted to be here anymore, and I think that ownership said, okay, you've got to move on from this guy. But that wasn't necessarily great. He is a monster. I mean, leads the league in strikeouts. ERA's down to like 375 right now in Houston. I mean, what a stud of a pitcher. But the thing is, the McCutcheon trade was a great one. Because Andrew McCutcheon, while he's still been good since he's been gone, now he's hurt. Could have gotten hurt here in Pittsburgh. You got Brian Reynolds back in return. Kyle Crick, probably not the best day to talk about that dude. In fact, since we've been lauding Neil Huntington for that trade, Kyle Crick has coughed it up a couple of times. But he's a good pitcher. He's filthy. That's a good trade. You're always going to make good trades. You're always going to make bad trades. What you can't have happen is a colossally bad trade. And that's what happened with Neil Huntington and Chris Archer. Chris Archer is the worst pitcher in the National League. He's given up more homers than any pitcher in the National League. And you gave up a dude who is a potential Cy Young-type candidate with the way that he pitched with Tampa early on in the season. You could have Brian Reynolds. You could have Austin Meadows in your outfield. At that point, you're going to keep Starling Marte and play him in center field. And by the way, his OPS is up over 800. And oh yeah, by the way, he's hitting in the 280s right now. And oh yeah, by the way, he's a really good defensive player. He would be their third best outfielder. He's a four-win player every single year just about. My God, if Marte's your third best outfielder, you can compete. That's a problem, that they don't have that outfield. Not only have they taken their franchise and sent it back multiple years, and I'm not being dramatic. You send it back multiple years when you make a deal like that. You've got a hole in the middle of your rotation that could have been filled by a potential Cy Young winner. You've got a bunch of outfielders, but none of them as good as Brian, as uh, Austin Meadows. And again, you've got that hole in the middle of your rotation. I mean, that is a colossally bad deal. It makes the Pirates awful. They're eight games under 500. Yes, I know the injuries. They were only going to be around 500 if not for the injuries. Could have been a good baseball team with all these guys. But you turn another franchise around. Tampa's a good baseball team. You make their baseball team. They totally fleeced Pittsburgh. And what stinks is that Chris Archer, whatever you think of him, wasn't ever going to go back to being the Chris Archer of being a 26-year-old, that wasn't going to happen. You weren't going to get ace Chris Archer, but you were hoping that he could help push you along into the playoffs last year, or this year, or both. And It's funny because if Chris Archer was good and got them to the playoffs, it's not a cataclysmic failure. Because even if you miss out on two cornerstone players, you still have achieved your final goal. Now, you can argue that if you had those two guys and you knew what they could be, then you'd probably get there anyhow, but... If you make that trade and Archer's really good and you get to the playoffs and he pitches well and you go deep into the playoffs, okay, it's not awful. But that ain't happening, so it is awful. And I would not renew his contract, and I'd probably fire him before then. That's how bad this deal is. 
Let me float something by you. Here. Float it by me, baby. So we're obviously operating with hindsight. We say, oh, the Chris Archer trade is terrible. And we both, all of us agree that we would have made that trade in the moment. And we thought it was a good trade in the moment. Is there a chance that we were looking at that through Pirates blinders? They've yes. never made a move where they ship prospects off to a, a top of the, or supposed top of the line rotation guy. So they finally do it and we go, oh, what a great move. Chris Archer's coming to town. They finally pull the trigger. When in reality, if we would have taken a step back, that price was probably way too high to pay for a guy like Archer, who you said's best years were most likely behind him. And you could tell that when he was pitching for the Rays that year that they acquired him from the Rays. So I don't know. As we keep going forward in this and it's more evident that this trade is just awful, I keep thinking back, you know, maybe we were looking at that as pirate fans saying, wow, finally they go all in and they get this guy prospects be damned but in reality putting meadows onto that deal was just a, a nightmare you are 100 percent correct and the frustrating thing the most frustrating thing about meadows is that you had him up here and you knew what he was capable and he was of. doing i remember last year he had a stretch and i was like this guy if they're serious about competing which huntington last year is like we're gonna try to compete we're gonna keep in this wild card race you keep that guy up and you play him every day, and then they send him back down, and then they traded him to the Rays. Yeah, they weren't playing him every day. They ruined him last year they a little did. bit because they 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 just did the same thing to Brian Reynolds the last two days. Ugh. Brian Reynolds was three for four today, so he was able to withstand a couple of off days. But Brian Reynolds has been your best player, not named Josh Bell, and of late he has just simply been your best player. You sit him down for two straight days. They used to do that to Meadows. They did it last year. You had Corey Dickerson up, and you had Polanco whenever he finally got healthy, and you're trying to rotate the those guys through all the while not playing the hottest one out of all of them which was Austin Meadows so you kind of devalue him to yourselves a little bit and then you think okay it's worth giving up on this guy because you've got Corey Dickerson that all right now we're going to trade for this Chris Archer dude but your point is a good one Tom in that there's nothing sexier in sports I think even more so than playing the games than a big trade or a free agent acquisition because it's fantasy baseball, it's fantasy sport in real life. The Pirates never play that game. The Pirates never play fantasy baseball in real life. We are always left wondering, oh, what would they look like with that pitcher? What would they look like if they traded for David Price? What would they look like if they traded for B.J. Upton? What would they look like if they made these legitimate moves instead of trying to go bargain basement shopping. And look, I know they went out and they got Jay Happ, who was a very good pitcher for the Pirates, and really the best pitching acquisition that they could have made. But it wasn't sexy. It wasn't sexy bringing in Derek Lee either. He was outstanding. It wasn't sexy bringing in Marlon Byrd. He was really good for the Pirates. Hit a big home run for them in the playoffs. It's not sexy. We've wanted sexy for so long. And yeah, even though the results in the other situations was better, you foresaw better circumstances coming out of this kind of trade, and it never happens to the Pirates. Uh-oh, Tom's taking the show. Taking the show. Are you trying to get me to tease right now? Tease. I have no idea what we're talking about next. <laughs> You're the producer. I have no idea what we're talking about next. Hard knocks, Raiders, get back into that a little bit. Oh, no, huh? no, no, we did that. Go ahead, Crowley. Tiger Woods? Hockey's pretty simple. Ah, hockey, my next guess. If you allow it to be. Tough week for Boston. It's Crowley Show. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Geico could help you get great coverage at a great price. This is the Adam Crowley Show. So Kobe Armstrong just suggested a strip club to us. Yeah! 
That's what I mean. I knew that that's what it had to be. Colby Armstrong! <laughs> the Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Heading out to San Francisco for the Labor Day weekend show. I got my hush puppies on. I guess I never was meant for glitter rock and roll. And honey, I didn't know. Hockey's pretty simple if you think about it. Uh, it's a little puck. You put it over a goal line. Eh, you win. Eh, do that enough times, you beat the other team. It's pretty simple. But we make everything more complicated. Like when athletes say, oh, you've never played the sport, you can't cover the sport. And hockey players are famous for doing that. Oh, when have you ever played, eh? Oh, what do you know about the game, eh? It's hockey. It's football. Now, there are degrees of understanding the game. I get that. Fine. But this is sport. It's not like if I walked into a surgical room and I needed to cut someone's brain open and save them because there were no better options. I would not be able to do that. But a doctor, he could come on here and Tom could hit the button and he could talk sports. It wouldn't be good. It wouldn't be interesting. But he would probably more than likely, if you follow sports his entire life, have some semblance of an idea of what he was doing. That's just the reality. It's an... Harder job than I made it out to be just there, this whole radio thing. Some people are great at it. Some people aren't. Fine. Whatever. But we try to make things sound more complicated than they actually are, when in reality, things come down to pretty simple formulas. If you want to win a championship in the NFL, you've got to have a franchise quarterback. And the way that I look at it is you can either have a franchise quarterback that's on a rookie deal and have a fabulous roster, or you can have a Drew Brees who's making a bunch of money and still have a fabulous roster but carry or count more on that guy carrying you. You could pay Ben Roethlisberger $30 million and hope that he can carry you. There are formulas to win the championship in every major sport. In the NBA, you get stars. You get a couple of stars, bang, you got a shot. You get Kyrie Irving and LeBron James and Kevin Love, bang, you got a shot. You've got LeBron James and you've got Chris Bosh and you've got Dwayne Wade, bam, you've got a shot. You get stars, you can win. In the NFL, you got a quarterback, you can win. In the National Hockey League, it's not as complicated as we make it out to be. Oh my God, you've got to have center depth, you've got to have... Uh, balanced scoring lineup. Oh, you've got to have a defenseman who can move the puck on every single line. But you also need a little bit of grit. Oh, my God, you also need a little bit of heart. You need this, you need that, you need the other. Star power is important in hockey, obviously. But St. Louis isn't a team that's built on a bunch of superstars. Boston's a team that has stars. Patrice Bergeron's a star. Brad Marchand is a pest, but a star, 100-point player this year. That's the cost of doing business. You've got to have good players. Yes, fine. But the most important thing isn't all that hard to figure out. It's the eraser. It's the goalie. When you make mistakes, inevitably you will, your goalie's got to be able to bail you out. If you've got a good goalie, you've got a chance. It's why the Penguins have maybe a better chance than people think. 
If they come back next year with a similar roster to that of the roster they had this year, they still could have a better shot if Matt Murray can be the guy that Matt Murray is supposed to be, was promised to be. And when he wins two Stanley Cups as a rookie, you think this is a possible Vezina guy. He had a 919 save percentage this year. Better than Marc-Andre Fleury's in Vegas where they play better defense. If you play a little bit better defense in front of the Penguin in front of Penguins Matt Murray, guess what? You've got a shot now. Think about how Boston got where they got. Tukaras going into the last game had not had a playoff performance that had his save percentage fall below 900. Of course, in Game 7, it did fall below 900. He only stopped 16 out of 20 shots. Jordan Bennington was unbelievable. When your goalie plays better, you win. The Penguins in 2016 had Matt Murray out-duel Braden Holpe in the second round of the playoffs. He was outstanding. And Braden Holpe, he's the guy who, at that time, was really good, but would always give up the one he shouldn't. Matt Murray wasn't doing that. Matt Murray stood on his head at times against Washington. Game number three in particular, he stood on his head against Washington. Game number four, he stole from Washington. I think Washington was as good, if not better, than Pittsburgh that year, and I thought Pittsburgh was dominant as anybody else. I thought those were clearly the two best teams. Could have gone either way. You know what decided the coin flip? The goaltender. I thought when the Penguins won in 17, Washington was clearly the better team. I don't think it was close. And you might say, Crowley, you're ridiculous. They won four out of seven games. I think Washington was far better than Pittsburgh. Marc-Andre Fleury was dynamite. He was dynamite in Game 7. He was dynamite in the early portion of the series. Hell, the Penguins might not have been better than Columbus that year. But Columbus has Sergei Bobrovsky, who before this year in the playoffs had been a dead fish. That guy's flopping around on the ice, not able to stop anything. And Marc-Andre Fleury in the first period of Game Number 1, he set the tone that he was going to steal that son of a bitch. If you think about the final, Nashville outplayed Pittsburgh the first four games. The gap closed when it got to Nashville. The Penguins played better than they did the first two. They won the first two, though, because Matt Murray was really stanking good. Then he shut them out in game number five and six. Goaltending was the difference. Goaltending can be the difference in a loss, too. Marc-Andre Fleury against the Flyers in 2012 was brutal. Laughably bad. If you weren't crying, you were laughing. That's how bad Marc-Andre Fleury was. The next year against Boston, 2013 Conference Final, Marc-Andre Fleury wasn't playing because he wasn't good enough then. He had to get the sports psychologist. They had to switch up the goaltender coach. He was not the same player he was in 2009. And in 2009, Marc-Andre Fleury, again, in game number six, outstanding. In game number seven, terrific. Goaltending is the great equalizer. Goaltending is the big eraser. Tom Brady is the best quarterback of all time. People say Bill Belichick's the best coach. I'll agree with that, too, but I think Brady's better at what he does than Belichick is at what he does. The Patriots have flaws. People think that they're flawless. People think that they don't make special teams mistakes. Don't don't commit turnovers. Don't fumble the football. Don't do any of those things. They do, actually. Now, the whole deflate gate scandal, they didn't fumble the ball much then. After that, they have... When the Steelers played them in the Jesse James game, they gave up a 69-yard catch-and-run to Juju Smith-Schuster because no one felt like tackling him. That's a mistake that you think the Steelers would make playing New England, not New England makes playing the Steelers. They make mistakes. They are human. Tom Brady makes you forget about all those mistakes. 
Ben Roethlisberger, when the Steelers were rebuilding for a couple of years and they went 8-8, eight and eight, they went 8-8 eight and eight because Ben Roethlisberger was still good. The eraser. Matt Murray can be the eraser for the Penguins. Man, we talk about so much. We make it so damn complicated. Oh, my God, do they have enough center depth. Oh, my God, do they have a lefty on the left side and a righty on the right side. Oh, my God. It's not that complicated. Stars get you in the door. If you're going to win the Stanley Cup, you've got to have good players. Fine. But when all things are equal, it comes down to the goaltending. And you know what? The Penguins got a pretty darn good one themselves. I believe strongly in Matt Murray. I think I'm one of his biggest defenders in town. Oh, it's glove hands week. Okay, where's his other weakness? He's maybe not the quickest goaltender laterally, but you know what? He's huge. He always takes good angles for the most part. Everyone's going to have a mistake every now and again. Chris Osgood had a pretty big one against Max Talbot in Game 7 of 2009. Just a wee bit off his angle there. You're going to make mistakes from time to time. But Matt Murray, to me, is a fabulous goaltender who's 25 years old who if you pay him six years, $36 million, like Josh Joey suggested that be the number, then you're looking at paying him less than a guy like Connor Hellebuck. Who would you rather have, Matt Murray or Hellebuck? You're paying him less than you're paying Braden Holpe, and I think that they're probably on par. I think that Matt Murray can win a Vezina one day. I really do. I think he's that good. You put a a legitimate defense right in front of him, he's going to put up better numbers. Now, Maybe I shouldn't say he's going to win a Vesna. It's pretty hard to win one in Pittsburgh. You got Crosby, you got Malkin. You like to play up and down a little bit. But I think he's the quality of goaltender that, in the right circumstance, absolutely could win one. We talk about this Penguins window, this mystical Penguins window. How long is that window open? Well, Sidney Crosby, maybe he can play at this high a level for three more years. Maybe it's two years. Maybe it's four years. Is it getting Malkin done? Maybe, maybe not. Is he going to have another 98-point season? You just don't know. How long can this window remain open? Well, if Matt Murray plays the way he's capable, if he plays like he did in 16 against the Capitals, in 17, the way that he played against Nashville, the way that he played this year in March, and he can channel that and play that way for an entire season and stack those seasons upon one another, you're looking at that window being open, thrust open, because... You can carry aging players with a great goaltender. Again, Boston would not have been in the Stanley Cup final this year if Tuka Rask didn't have an obscene save percentage. He was the best player on Boston all postseason long, would have been the slam dunk Con Smythe winner until he wasn't. And when he wasn't, then they lost. It's as simple as that to me. How wide can this Penguins window be open? Well, how long can Matt Murray be good? How good can he be? Jim Rutherford said the other day to Josh Joey, he thinks he's got another level to find. I don't know if there's another level for Matt Murray. I think we've seen that level. Can we get consistently that level? Can we get consistently what we saw from him in March? And it's about staying healthy. If he stays healthy, we see when he gets on a roll, he's consistent. It's around the injuries when he's not good enough. It's not about matchups. When to when to play this guy against that guy, it helps fine. It's not about systems, although those are important. It's about goalies. Hockey, sports, it's all really simple. Brain surgery, eh, not so much. We got the hottest take of the day, three stars of the show, and other crap coming up next, where we talk about sexy women in bikinis. Whoa. And we actually want them to stop taking pictures. <gasps> Huh? No. Why? 
<laughs> Speaking of teeth, it's Crowley Show. It's the big building and home improvement auction this Saturday at the Washington County Fairgrounds. Auction starts at 9 a.m. Stuff so stuck to my mouth. Get rid of it. I can't. It's awful. Okay. Uh, <laughs> should we, uh, I heard a little bit of Harry Carey. Uh, <laughs> Adam Crowley uh, on ESPN Pittsburgh. Everybody was I was watching the 2008 Steelers Championship DVD over the last couple of days. Wait, you've been watching it again and again and again? Here's what happened, Tom. That's awesome, dude. Badass, brother. Don't try to defend yourself or spin zone yourself out of this. You stick to those guns. The Penguins' anniversaries of their championships have been over the last couple of days. So I went back and watched those, and I enjoyed them so much, and I wanted to go down Nostalgia Road, and I was doing the minicamp shows. I figured I might as well do the Steeler thing. Well, I stumble upon this great little nugget, or really a sight, but maybe a nugget. There'll be a joke there in a moment. Big play Will Gay makes a play at the end of the Cowboys game. Steelers win. They win the AFC North. Whole place is going crazy. After the game, big play Will Gay is running through the locker room or about to go into the locker room. And Mike Tomlin screaming, big play Will Gay, big play Will Gay. And standing there in the corner is our friend, the little nugget, Tim Benz. (laughs) I was hoping it was going to be him. Looking not amused at all. Why does he keep getting himself in these kind of pictures slash videos? He's in the back of the end zone during the San Antonio Holmes sketch, too. Dude, he's like Pittsburgh's own Forrest Gump. He ends up in like every major video feed. Like, there's Tim Benz right there. Moon landing, Tim Benz pops out of the capsule. <laughs> Tim Benz is never not working, so he's going to be in all the iconic Pittsburgh moments. I guarantee well to you, Tim Benz was at the Mazeroski home run in 1996. Oh, you or 1960. Seen, you don't see him there? I just said I guarantee he's there. I know. I'm saying you haven't seen him there. He's there. Like I don't. You don't have to guarantee it. I know for a fact. I just saw him poke out of a bush at the U.S. Open. Oh my God! I swear that's to him. God, that was him. And then he just jumped in the ocean. Yep. He'll also be at the NBA Finals tonight. That's why I just jumped in the ocean. He's swimming. Swim across swimming the bay to Golden State. <laughs> he was in Boston yesterday. This guy is all over the world. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Well, probably with Tim Benz. Yes. In a red stripe, red and white striped sweater. That is quite the ass get, my friend. Uh, If anybody ever sees Tim Benz out in the wild, please get us that picture. Please. (laughs) A a wild Tim Benz spotting, we need him. We need to know where he is at all times. It's like Pokemon. (laughs) A wild Tim Benz has appeared. Where? Like running around the park with your phone in your hand, walking into stuff. Where's that Tim Benz at? It's time for the hottest take of the day. It's time for the hottest take of the day. (laughs) Four of the last 11 Cup winners fired their head coach mid-season. The Penguins should fire Mike Sullivan next year. Next year? They should fire him tomorrow. Wait till the middle of the season. uh, (laughs) You gotta wait till the middle of the season, I got excited for a good firing. Uh, Fire him in the middle of the season. That is the hottest take of the day.
Well, not oh. tomorrow. Hmm. It's now time for other crap, which is where we go around in a circle. And we talk about things we haven't yet talked about today. Woo! Other crap. If you are driving right now and you are a Penguins fan, you need to pull the car over on the side of the road because you are about to climax when you hear this. Hold this on. is absolutely. Hold on, give them a second to pull oh, over, okay, Tom. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, they right. can't just cut off traffic and I pull mean, over. You give the warning. Important. Hold on, let me look at. It. All right, you're good. So this is absolutely porn to Pittsburgh Penguins fans' ears. Last night during Game Seven, Charles Barkley stopped by the set, and he was asked a question by Keith Jones. Jonesy said, "Hey, Chuck, if you had to compare Kawhi Leonard to any player in the NHL, who would that be?" Chuck's answer: Sidney Crosby. He's the perfect superstar. He's quiet. He's going to win. You never hear any drama about him. I think uh, Kawhi's the, he, he's a great player and a great man. But Sidney Crosby, to me, I know I probably, I probably can't go home to Philadelphia tomorrow bragging about Sidney Crosby, <laughs> but he's a perfect superstar. You've never heard anything bad about Sidney Crosby, and he's one of the greatest ever. Oh, my God, Chuck. Oh my God! I smile every time I. Bar- Barkley was a ten to me, and now he's a fifteen. Yep. I'm sorry to do this. Oh, uh, you're gonna be crying. Oh, oh cynical no. Crowley's coming out. I love Barkley. I love that he said that. They should never have given him the platform. I want to know what the hell's going on in the Stanley Cup final. I don't need what to hear Charles Barkley. Dude, when, when, when is the last time that Wayne Gretzky was talking between? Friggin' halftime at the NBA Finals never happened. Well, What's the last time on. Wayne Gretzky said something as interesting as Charles Barkley? Every time the man yeah. opens his mouth, it's a quote. That dude is interesting in any arena. We need Barkley in more sporting events. Yeah, I want him on baseball. How do you fix you? baseball? Charles Barkley. Oh my God, could you imagine Barkley in the booth for a baseball game? Imagine Donaldson charging the mound. When Bar- what a knucklehead, man. <laughs> Get Donaldson the hell out of here. Oh, thank you, Tom. I was gonna, I was gonna jump on you, but I was gonna compliment the show as a whole here for not doing the terrible thing. Because every time you talk, talk them, you end up with somebody goes terrible. That would be terrible. Oh, that's every terrible. Time, that'd see? just be terrible. Oh, that'd be terrible. Now we just did it as an example, but I'd like to congratulate you guys. I'm more of a knucklehead guy. When it yeah, comes knucklehead to was a good You're choice. You're a knucklehead. Mm-hmm. That was Kenny. good. That impression was terrible. How's he like? How's he feel about Phil Kessel? You have any audio on that? Oh, he wants him gone. Yeah. They're the <laughs> same. <laughs> Other crap. All right, fellas. So we were a little confused as to why Canadian fans would would break national protocol and actually do something rude and cheer for an injury. Yes. Regarding Kevin Durant. Well, it seems that they're not as rude as we originally thought. The nation of Canada is embarrassed. Embarrassed to the point where fans are sending not only the Warriors, but Kevin Durant get well soon cards. Oh, my. They're sending them flowers. Flowers, too? And in front of the Scotia, whatever the hell arena that is, worst of re- Scotia Bank Arena, worst name for an arena ever. ever. In front of that, they're out there. They've got a giant get well soon card, and all the fans are just walking by and signing it, and it's got thousands of signatures now. So Canada is absolutely appalled by the rudeness that happened, and they are doing what Canada does, apologizing. Woo! Other crap. HBO just ran that mini series Chernobyl, and it has spiked tourism in the area around Chernobyl by forty-five percent since the airing of the program. And it gets better. 
<laughs> there are scantily clad women taking sexy partial nude Instagram photos in front of radiation destroyed buildings. <laughs> oh, no. See, that went two ways for me because at first I was going with this take. You're laying it out. People are going to visit this site. I'm, I was about to say that's awesome because that will call the stupidity out of the human race. Send them all. You want to go visit that? Go get radioactive and enjoy. But then you said women in bikinis and, I'm, and I want to save the women in bikinis. I don't want them to be hurt. So I'm torn in my take. I don't want them there. Just the other people. Bring them all to Three Mile Island. <laughs> Yes, yes. That's got. I, I don't know what the half life is there, but it's got to be better than Chernobyl. Has to be. Gonna get a half chub. It's time for the three stars of the show. Third star tonight's third star of the show. Hellabox. He'd be making less money than Holpe, less money than Connor, Connor Hellabox. Easy for me to say. That was. That's a dangerous one right there. Very yeah, dangerous. we shouldn't talk about that guy much. Oh, Connor Hellebuck. Oh, you're just playing oh, with fire. Oh, boy. Hellebuck? Hellebuck. <laughs> Making less money than all those guys if you go six years, $36 million, and that's the number that Josh Yoey floated out to us on the show the other day. It's a fair salary, but that's still a significant amount of money. Hellebucks. <laughs> Brian's back. Second stop. Tonight's second star of the show, the Pink Pearl. He's the eraser. He's like Tom Brady. He's like the Pink Pearl. Side note, anytime a boy dog got an erection, my mom would call it the Pink Pearl. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. You know, the little lipstick thing popping out? No, we get it, yeah. We all know what dogs' erections look like. That's common knowledge. Everybody's seen one. <laughs> I mean, everybody's been around a dog that's gotten a little excited. I mean, it's just fact. Ryan Kennedy of the Hockey News is going to join us next to talk about dogs' penises. It's the people that try to get rid of it that bug me. Oh, the worst. How would you like it if we did that to you? They might. <laughs> First off. And tonight's first star of the show, registering on the Dictor scale. He walked into the studio, he might as well have walked into the studio and whip out a flag and just shove it right in the damn chair. Yeah, or using another object, just laying it right on the table. Mm. This is mine. Oh, are you referring to his... No. Mm. Don't say it. I was going to leave it out there for people to imagine what I'm saying. Oh, but are you referring to his... Mm. Uh, that's kind of what Stephen Clay did the other night. Kind of, yeah. I mean, they just... <laughs> it would have been louder had they done it. There you go. Much heavier. Good thing Shaquille O'Neal is not playing in these finals. Oh, my gosh. Earthquake. Registered on the Richter scale. The Dictor scale. Whoa! Don't tell me that hockey's not more popular than football. Now just stick with me for a second here. I will tell you that every time. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably say it too. With a 41.8 rating in St. Louis for the Blues-Bruins game last night, that exceeded the market's rating for Super Bowl LIII, which delivered a 39.8 rating for Rams-Patriots. You know what? I actually thought that they were going to be talking about the greatest show on turf, Rams. 
Yeah, the the Rams don't. They so, don't. They don't play. They don't play. We can't anymore. get into so, why that number is so low. So football is more popular still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I lose that battle. It outdrew preseason game three. I will win the war. Damn it. <laughs> Ugh, those nachos were rough on my stomach. When you have nausea, heartburn, indigestion, upset stomach, diarrhea. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh.